Greetings, friends. Sean here with scriptureandprophecy.com. Got a little short video slash audio for you this morning. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, the Torah portion named Shalak for this week, uh, which is out of the book of Numbers, which deals with the tragedy of the spies coming back with an evil report and then the judgment as a result. Uh, we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, real quick, I just want to take two minutes to give you a short update. This coming week, I will actually be out of town uh, for a family vacation, and it'll be the first time in the 10 years that I've been doing this podcast that I've taken a week off from recording. It'll be the first time. In 10 years, I've never not at least got one, two, most of the time even three episodes out uh, uh, for the week. And so it's been, it's a long time coming. I need to be refreshed just like anybody else. And, uh, I definitely feel the weight of needing to, to just take a little bit of a breather. Um, so my ask for, from all of you is that you'll be praying for me and my family for safe travels and everything. And of course, I'm not going to leave you with nothing this week. Um, there's a three part series I did, a few years ago, uh, the last generation, according to the book of Enoch. And so if you, even if you have heard that, you're going to want to hear it again. Um, by far one of the most popular series that I've done. And, uh, it's fitting for the timing, the time that we're living in. Um, and I think it will kind of help go with uh, the new series that we've started that, uh, by, popular demand people have asked that I continue, which is when he comes in his wrath, uh, doing short studies out of the book Revelation. So next week I won't be here. It'll be the three-part series on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from the book of Enoch, which you're, again, if you haven't heard it, you definitely want to. Even if you have heard it, you want to hear it again. Then the following week, Lord willing, uh, we'll resume the new series that we've just started along with the prophet Isaiah. And uh, so we're really getting heavy into prophecy as we go into the latter part of this year, the second half of this year. Um, and I think that's not an accident. I think the Lord is leading me to do that based on the realities that we're witnessing right now. So there is the short update. And uh, again, please remember to pray uh, for me and my family for safe travels. And um, I think you'll be blessed by the, the Enoch series nonetheless. Today I'm not going to read the whole Torah portion, just kind of wanted to read some of it and talk about it, uh, so let's do that. I'm going to jump right in, and uh, so this is uh, num this portion, Shalach, is numbers 13 and through 15. Um, so let's just get to it. Uh, we'll start with... Uh, let's start with verse 17. I'm reading from the Hallelujah Scriptures here. And Moshe sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said to them, Go up here into Negev, and go to the mountains, and see what the land is like, and the people who dwell in it, whether strong or weak, whether few or many. And whether the land they dwell in is good or evil, and whether the cities they inhabit 
are in camps or strongholds. And whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not, and you shall be strong, and bring some of the fruit to the land. Now the time was the season of the first fruits of grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Sin, as far as Rahab, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through Negev, and they came to Hebron, and Ahilman, and Sheshiah, and Talmia. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron had been built seven years before Sinan in Mitzrayim. And so they came to the Wadi Eshkol, and cut down from there a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bore it between two of them on a pole, also the promegranates and of the figs. And the place was called the Wadi Eskol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down from there. Please note the grapes are so big. First of all, who is the who is there that they see the sun? We overlooked this, but it's the descendants of Anak. Uh, these are giants. Uh, these are Nephilim. These are not tall NBA basketball players. Okay, these people are different. And it takes two men to carry the cluster. The grapes are so big, it, it takes multiple people to carry the cluster. I mean, have you ever grabbed grapes off of... Is there any struggle to carry grapes in modern times? There's something unique about these. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And they went and they came to Moshe and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they reported to him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. But the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are walled very great. And we saw the descendants of Anak there too. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev, while the Hittites and the Yebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of Yarden. And Caleb silenced the people before Moshe and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are certainly able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him we are not, the men who gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel an evil report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land, though we have gone up as spies, is a land eating up its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. And we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, of the Nephilim. And we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And so we were in their eyes. Now listen. They talk about two different types of people they see. We saw people who are great, of great size. Men who are of great size. And notice the language here. We saw men of great size. Okay. Big, big human beings. And we saw the Nephilim there. 
It says it twice. And we saw there the Nephilim, sons of Anak of the Nephilim. These were giants. Of course, we read about these uh, in the adventures of King David, right? Uh, obviously, he fights Goliath, but it turns out Goliath has five other brothers with six fingers on each hand. And there's a couple other giants mentioned whose beds are like 15 foot big. And there's no question about this. And it frustrates me to no end because I see, I see men of God who are highly educated who have dedicated their lives to the scriptures, who've been doing it for 30 or 40 years, and they still tiptoe around this and make excuses for this. And it's the sons of Seth who who went after the daughters of men in Genesis chapter 6. And it's like, first of all, what about all the skeletons? How about you go research the 15-foot skeletons we were digging up here in North America? Newspaper article after newspaper article after newspaper article in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Oh, we dug up another 15-foot skeleton. There used to be giants here. I mean, it's just so frustrating. Obviously, the scriptures themselves make no apologies about it. It talks about the Nephilim in Genesis 6. says, and we're told that the Nephilim were here again. Here we are in Book of Numbers. Their spies are afraid to go in. Why? Because there's Nephilim there. They're not humans. They're not tall. They're not, you know, they're not six foot nine. They're 15 foot. They're 20 foot. They're huge. They have six fingers on each hand. They're not normal. Now, we're not going to get into how the giants got here and all that stuff. It doesn't matter. The reality is, is they were here. We have skeletons. We have skulls. We have a plethora of information. The Bible talks about it. It's not up for debate. It happened. Now. But that's not the tragedy. The tragedy is the lack of faith. God has given them, given them this land. He's promised to protect them. He has shown that he can protect them even from the greatest empire at that time, Egypt. They watched the Red Sea part. They watched the Egyptians get swallowed up by the sea. They saw the plagues. Right? They saw the thick darkness and the death of every firstborn. They said... They saw the miracles of being of the of the water coming from the rock. They've eaten manna from heaven. They've heard God's voice and thunders and lightnings and the mountain on fire. And yet, look at what happens. We're gonna read a little bit further before we wrap it up. Then all the congregation, this is verse one, chapter fourteen lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel grumbled against Moshe and against Aaron, and all the congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Mitzrayim, that is to say Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. They're saying, We wish we would have died in the wilderness and that God had not provided for us and protected us all this time. And why is Jehovah bringing us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become prey? Would it not be better for us to turn back to Mitzrayim? And they said to each other, Let us appoint a leader and let us turn back to Mitzrayim. And then Moses, or Moshe and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Yisrael and Yehushua, son of Nun. And Caleb, son of Yephaniah, 
who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their garments. And they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If Jehovah has delighted in us, then he shall bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which is flowing with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against Jehovah, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their defense has turned away from them, and Jehovah is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the esteem of Jehovah appeared in a tent of appointment before the children of Israel. And Jehovah said to Moshe, How long shall I be scorned by these people, and how long shall I not be trusted by them? With all the signs which I have done in their midst, let me smite them with pestilence, disinherit them, and make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. And Moshe said to Jehovah, The Mistrites shall hear it. For by your power you brought these people up from their midst, and they shall say to the inhabitants of this land, They have heard that you, Jehovah, are in the midst of these people, and that you, Jehovah, are seen eye to eye, and that your cloud stands above them, and that you go before them in a column of a cloud by day and a column of fire by night. Now if you shall kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your report shall speak, saying, Because Jehovah was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, Therefore, he killed them in the wilderness. Moses is like, you can't do that for your own reputation's sake. For your own reputation's sake. Ultimately, what happens is they die in the wilderness, with the exception of Caleb and Yahushua. Joshua. And it's their children who end up going in. And something that's come to my mind the last couple of years as we go through these stories. Because I sympathize with the Israelites in this thought. I'm imagining that God sends a prophet or he sends angels or something and he gathers those of us who are in the United States of America as an example and he leads us out of this country. And he's feeding us and providing for us and we see some miracles and but as things start to get a little bit uncomfortable at times and occasionally the water's not there and occasionally you know or we get tired of eating heavenly bread every day and maybe we start to murmur going remember back in america when we could drink our morning coffee and there was just cakes and food abundance and we could watch tv and relax and right however if we had young children and they started to grow and these children there would be a contrast between us who've been tainted by by the by America and its luxuries and its propaganda and its pharmacia. But our children haven't. All our children know is provision and God. Right? Because they've grown up in the wilderness. That's all they've known. They've known that God provides and protects. And that he can be trusted. That's all they've ever known. 
those of us who are 40 years old, right, or 50 years old or 60, we grew up in the United States and we remember everything and we've been tainted. We may be tempted to long for America again. Oh, I remember eating cheeseburger and a fry and a milkshake. Man, let's just go back. It wasn't that bad, (laughs) right? What ends up happening is the children who've only known God, only known his provision, providing, protecting, they're the ones that'll go conquer the Nephilim. The only exception being Joshua and Caleb. And I could so see that. I I feel like at times I murmur about things less, that are way less of an obstacle or a, a problem than what they were facing. God have mercy on me. Right? Like they're looking at giants. They're worried about their kids and their wives and they're like, they're going to be, our children and our wives are going to be devoured. Are we, you know, are any of us so great that we would be, sometimes we read these stories and we put ourselves in and we're, if it were me, I would, you don't know what you would do until you're there. I can, I can absolutely see how this happened and it must've been heartbreaking for them, but their children got to enter in and God kept his promise. Anyway, that is where I'm going to leave the story for this morning. I appreciate all of you for listening and supporting the broadcast all these years and just, um, praying for me and, uh, I just ask that you continue those prayers this week as I'm away. I definitely need the time off. Um, you know, this isn't what I do for a living. You know, this is what I do because God called me to do it. But it's, it's a massive sacrifice on my behalf. Also, my great joy, my great pleasure, my great privilege, but still a sacrifice nonetheless. And I'm tired, <laughs> to be honest. I'm really really worn down um so this will be a good breather for me and uh, my prayers i'll come back with just extra enthusiasm extra energy to start getting after uh, the book of revelation and some of those things so again thank you for uh thank you for your time thank you for your support thank you for your prayers peace and grace be with all of you and until next time God bless.